0: chapter three part two of the untilled field by george moore this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by noel Badrian the exile part two section five pat thought the grey mare would take him in faster than the old red horse and the old man sat his legs swinging over the shaft wondering what he should say to the reverend mother, and how she would listen to his story. And when he came to the priest's house a great wish came upon him to ask the priest's advice. The priest was walking up his little lawn reading his breviary, and a great fear came upon Pat Whelan, and he thought he must ask the priest what he should do. The priest heard the story over the little wall and he was sorry for the old man. It took him a long time to tell the story, and when he was finished the priest said, "'But where are you going, Pat?' "'That's what I stopped to tell you, Your Reverence. I was thinking I might be going to the convent to tell Catherine that Peter has come back.' "'Well, it wasn't yourself the thought of doing such a thing as that, Pat Phelan.' but at every word the priest said pat phelan's face grew more stubborn and at last he said well your reverence that isn't the advice i expected from you and he struck the mare with the ends of the reins and let her trot up the hill nor did the mare stop trotting till she had reached the top of the hill and pat phelan had never known her to do such a thing before from the top of the hill there was a view of the bog and pat thought of the many fine loads of turf he had had out of that bog and the many young fellows he had seen there cutting turf but every one is leaving the country the old man said to himself and his chin dropped into his shirt collar and he held the reins loosely letting the mare trot or walk as she liked and he let many pass him without bidding them the hour of the day for he was too much overcome by his own grief to notice anyone. The mare trotted gleefully. Soft clouds curled over the low horizon far away, and the sky was blue overhead, and the poor country was very beautiful in the still autumn weather, only it was empty. He passed two or three fine houses that the gentry had left to caretakers long ago, the fences were gone cattle strayed through the woods the drains were choked with weeds the stagnant water was spread out into the fields and pat phelan noticed these things for he remembered what this country was forty years ago the devil a bit of lonesomeness there was in it then he asked a girl if they would be thatching the house that autumn but she answered that the thatch would last out the old people, and she was going to join her sister in America. She's right, they're all there now. Why should anyone stop here? The old man said. The mayor tripped, and he took this to be a sign that he should turn back, but he did not go back. Very soon the town began, in broken pavements and dirty cottages. Going up the hill there were some slated roofs. But there was no building of any importance except the church. At the end of the main street, where the trees began again, the convent stood in the middle of a large garden, and Pat Phelan remembered he had heard that the nuns were doing well with their dairy and their laundry. He knocked, and a lay sister peeped through the grating, and then she opened the door a little way. And at first he thought he would have to go back without seeing either Catherine or the Reverend Mother, for he had got no further than Sister Catherine when the lay sister cut him short with the news that Sister Catherine was in retreat and could see no one. The Reverend Mother was busy. But, said Pat, you're not going to let Catherine take vows without hearing me. If it is about Sister Catherine's vows yes it is about them i've come and i must see the reverend mother the lay sister said sister catherine was going to be clothed at the end of the week well that is just the reason i've come here on that the lay sister led him into the parlour and went in search of the reverend mother the floor was so thickly beeswaxed that the rug slipped under his feet and afraid lest he might fall down he stood quite still impressed by the pious pictures on the walls and by the large books upon the table and by the poor-box and by the pious inscriptions he began to think how much easier was this pious life than the life of the world the rearing of children the failure of crops and the loneliness here life slips away without one perceiving it and it seemed a pity to bring her back to trouble. He stood holding his hat in his old hands, and the time seemed very long. At last the door opened, and a tall woman with sharp inquisitive eyes came in. "'You have come to speak to me about Sister Catherine?' "'Yes, my lady.' "'And what have you got to tell me about her?' "'Well, my son thought, and I thought, last night. We were all thinking we had better tell you. Last night was the night that my son came back." At the word Maynooth a change of expression came into her face, but when he told her that Peter no longer wished to be a priest, her manner began to grow hostile again, and she got up from her chair and said, But really, Mr. Phelan, I have got a great deal of business to attend to but my lady you see that catherine wanted to marry my son peter and it is because he went to maynooth that she came here i don't think she'd want to be a nun if she knew that he didn't want to be a priest i cannot agree with you mr phelan in that i have seen a great deal of sister catherine she has been with us now for nearly a year and if she ever entertained the wishes you speak of, I feel sure she has forgotten them. Her mind is now set on higher things. Of course, you may be right, my lady, very likely. It isn't for me to argue with you about such things, but you see, I have come a long way, and if I could see Catherine herself... That is impossible. Catherine is in retreat. So the lay sister told me, but I thought... Sister Catherine is going to be clothed next Saturday, and I can assure you, Mr. Phelan, that the wishes you tell me of are forgotten. I know her very well. I can answer for Sister Catherine. The rug slipped under the peasant's feet, and his eyes wandered round the room, and the reverend mother told him how busy she was. She really could not talk to him any more that day. You see, it all rests with Sister Catherine herself.' that's just it said the old man that's just it my lady my son peter who has come from maynooth told us last night that catherine should know everything that has happened so that she may not be sorry afterwards otherwise i wouldn't have come here my lady i wouldn't have come to trouble you i am sorry mr phelan that your son peter has left maynooth it is sad indeed when one finds that one has not a vocation But that happens sometimes i don't think it will be catherine's case and now mr phelan i must ask you to excuse me and the reverend mother persuaded the unwilling peasant into the passage and he followed the lay sister down the passage to the gate and got into his cart again no wonder he thought they don't want to let catherine out now that they have got that great farm and not one amongst them i'll be bound who can manage it except catherine At the very same moment the same thought passed through the reverend mother's mind. She had not left the parlour yet, and stood thinking how she should manage if Catherine were to leave them. Why, she asked, should he choose to leave Maynooth at such a time? It is indeed unfortunate. There is nothing, she reflected, that gives a woman so much strength as to receive the veil. She always feels stronger after her clothing. She feels that the world is behind her. The Reverend Mother reflected that, perhaps, it would be better for Catherine's sake, and for Peter's sake, indeed for everyone's sake, if she were not to tell Catherine of Pat Phelan's visit until after the clothing. She might tell Catherine three months hence. The disadvantage of this would be that Catherine might hear that Peter had left Maynooth. In a country place, news of this kind cannot be kept out of a convent. And if Catherine were going to leave, it were better that she should leave them now, than leave them six months hence, after her clothing. There are many ways of looking at it, the Reverend Mother reflected. If I don't tell her, she may never hear it. I might tell her later, when she has taught one of the nuns how to manage the farm. She took two steps towards the door and stopped to think again. And she was thinking when a knock came to the door. She answered mechanically. Come in. And Catherine wondered at the Reverend Mother's astonishment. I wish to speak to you, dear Mother, she said timidly. But seeing the Reverend Mother's face change expression, she said, perhaps another time will suit you better. The Reverend Mother stood looking at her irresolute and catherine who had never seen the reverend mother irresolute before wondered what was passing in her mind i know you are busy dear mother but what i have come to tell you won't take very long well then tell it to me my child it is only this reverend mother i had better tell you now for you are expecting the bishop and my clothing is fixed for the end of the week and and said the reverend mother You feel that you are not certain of your vocation? That is it, dear mother. I thought I had better tell you. Reading disappointment in the nun's face, Catherine said, I hesitated to tell you before. I had hoped that the feeling would pass away, but, dear mother, it isn't my fault. Everyone has not a vocation. Then Catherine noticed a softening in the Reverend Mother's face, and she asked Catherine to sit down by her. And Catherine told her she had come to the convent because she was crossed in love, and not as the others came, because they wished to give up their wills to God. Our will is the most precious thing in us, and that is why the best thing we can do is to give it up to you. For in giving it up to you, dear mother, we are giving it up to God. I know all these things, but you should have told me of this when you came here, Catherine and then I would not have advised you to come to live with us. Mother, you must forgive me. My heart was broken, and I could not do otherwise. And you have said yourself that I made the dairy a success. If you had stayed with us, Catherine, you would have made the dairy a success. But we have got no one to take your place. However, since it is the will of God, I suppose we must try to get on as well as we can without you. And now tell me, Catherine, when it was that you changed your mind? It was only the other day you told me you wished to become a nun. You said you were most anxious for your clothing. How is it that you have changed your mind? Catherine's eyes brightened, and speaking like one illuminated by some inward light, she said. It was the second day of my retreat, mother. I was walking in the garden where the great cross stands amid the rocks. Sister Angela and Sister Mary were with me, and I was listening to what they were saying, when suddenly my thoughts were taken away, and I remembered those at home. I remembered Mr. Phelan and James, who wanted to marry me, but whom I would not marry. And it seemed to me that I saw him leaving his father it seemed to me that i saw him going away to america i don't know how it was you will not believe me dear mother but i saw the ship lying in the harbour that is to take him away and then i thought of the old man sitting at home with no one to look after him and it was not a seeming but a certainty mother it came over me suddenly that my duty was not here but there Of course you can't agree with me, but I cannot resist it. It was a call. But the evil one, my dear child, calls us too. We must be careful not to mistake the devil's call for God's call. Mother, I dare say. Tears came to Catherine's eyes. She began to weep. I can't argue with you, mother. I only know. She could not speak for sobbing, and between her sobs she said, I only know that I must go home. She recovered herself very soon, and the Reverend Mother took her hand and said, Well, my dear child, I shall not stand in your way. Even the Reverend Mother could not help thinking that the man who got her would get a charming wife. Her face was rather long and white, and she had long female eyes with dark lashes and her eyes were full of tenderness she had spoken out of so deep a conviction that the reverend mother had begun to believe that her mission was perhaps to look after this hapless young man and when she told the reverend mother that yesterday she had felt a conviction that peter was not going to be a priest the reverend mother felt that she must tell her of pat phelan's visit I did not tell you at once, my dear child, because I wished to know from yourself how you felt about this matter," the nun said. And she told Catherine that she was quite right, that Peter had left Maynooth. He hopes to marry you, Catherine. A quiet glow came into the postulant's eyes, and she seemed engulfed in some deep joy. How did he know that I cared for him? the girl said, half to herself half to the nun i suppose his father or his brother must have told him the nun answered and then catherine fearing to show too much interest in things that the nun deemed frivolous said i am sorry to leave before my work is done here but mother so it has all come true it was extraordinary what i felt that morning in the garden she said returning to her joy mother do you believe in visions the saints of course have had visions we believe in the visions of the saints but after all mother there are many duties besides religious duties i suppose catherine you feel it to be your duty to look after this young man yes i think that is it i must go now mother and see sister angela and write out for her all I know about the farm, and what she is to do, for if one is not very careful with a farm, one loses a great deal of money. There is no such thing as making two ends meet. One either makes money, or loses money. And then Catherine again seemed to be engulfed in some deep joy, out of which she roused herself with difficulty. Section 6 when her postulant left the room the reverend mother wrote to pat phelan asking him to come next morning with his cart to fetch catherine and next morning when the lay sister told catherine that he was waiting for her the reverend mother said we shall be able to manage catherine you have told sister angela everything and you will not forget to come to see us i hope Mr. Phelan, said the lay sister, told me to tell you that one of his sons is going to America today. Sister Catherine will have to go at once if she wishes to see him. I must see James. I must see him before he leaves for America. Oh, she said, turning to the Reverend Mother, do you remember that I told you I had seen the ship? Everything has come true. You can't believe any longer that it is not a call." Her box was in the cart, and as Pat turned the mare round, he said, I hope we won't miss James at the station. That's the reason I came for you so early. I thought you would like to see him. Why did you not come earlier? she cried. All my happiness will be spoilt if I don't see James. The convent was already behind her, and her thoughts were now upon poor James, whose heart she had broken. She knew that Peter would never love her as well as James, but this could not be helped. Her vision in the garden consoled her, for she could no longer doubt that she was doing right in going to Peter, that her destiny was with him. She knew the road well. She knew all the fields, every house and every gap in the walls. Sign after sign went by. At last they were within sight of the station. The signal was still up, and the train had not gone yet. At the end of the platform she saw James and Peter. She let Pat Phelan drive the cart round. She could get to them quicker by running down the steps and crossing the line. The signal went down. "'Peter,' she said, "'we shall have time to talk presently. I want to speak to James now.' And they walked up to the platform, leaving Peter to talk to his father. Peter," she said we shall have time to talk presently i want to speak to james now and they walked up to the platform leaving peter to talk to his father paddy Maguire is outside pat said i asked him to stand at the mayor's head james said catherine it is very sad you are going away we may never see you again and there is no time to talk and I've much to say to you. I am going away, Catherine, but maybe I will be coming back some day. I was going to say, maybe you would be coming over after me. But the land is good land, and you'll be able to make a living out of it. And then they spoke of Peter. James said he was too great a scholar for a farmer and it was a pity he could not find out what he was fit for, for surely he was fit for something great after all. And Catherine said, I shall be able to make something out of Peter. His emotion almost overcame him, and Catherine looked aside so that she could not see his tears. This is no time for talking of Peter, she said. You are going away, James, but you will come back. You will find another woman better than I am in America, James. I don't know what to say to you. The train will be here in a minute. I am distracted. But one day you will be coming back, and we shall be very proud of you when you come back. I shall rebuild the house, and we shall all be happy then. Oh, here's the train. Good-bye. You have been very good to me oh james shall i ever see you again then the crowd swept them along and james had to take his father's hand and his brother's hand there were a great many people in the station hundreds were going away in the same ship that james was going in the train was followed by wailing relatives they ran alongside of the train waving their hands until they could no longer keep up with the train James waved a red handkerchief until the train was out of sight. It disappeared in a cutting, and a moment after, Catherine and Peter remembered they were standing side by side. They were going to be married in a few days. They started a little hearing a step beside them. It was old Phelan. I think, he said, it is time to be getting home. End of the Exile.